0: I don't know about you, but I love some crystal clear audio. Right now, I am loving the latest pair of headphones I snagged from Studio Sweden. I'm rocking the Trey headphones. They're Bluetooth, I can take them on my walk with me, no cords. It is awesome and they have really come behind us here at the radiant podcast and sponsored this episode so we have a little discount for you for 15 percent off you can use code radiant at studiosweden.com and we can link that up in the show notes so it's right there for you head on over check out the amazing headphones they offer and grab yourself a pair (laughs) guys today I have Griffin Hill joining me and she is one of my very best friends so it is about time I know you guys see me posting about her a lot she lives here in Colorado Springs with me and like me she is a southern girl who made it to Colorado she lives here with her husband Golden Doodles Nash and Crosby and is passionate about healthy living business and relationships you'll probably find her torn between a kale chip and a scoop of ice cream on any given day I bet you can wonder which end of the spectrum I fall on but when she's not thinking about her next meal, you can find her at her business, Pure Bar Colorado Springs, or doing homework as she pursues her master's degree in nutrition and functional medicine. Guys, Griffin is the real deal. She is a wealth of knowledge and she is one of the unique people who understand both the online business space and the brick and mortar local business space. So I love getting to hear both perspectives during our conversation today and I know you guys are going to find it just as encouraging. Hey Griffin. Hey Cal. what's up? I am so glad you're here. As many of you know, because you have probably heard me reference Griffin, Griffin is one of my best friends and we live in the same community, um, Colorado Springs, but we are both Southern girls. Griffin Mm -hmm. is a pure bar owner and has an online business as well. So Griffin, I would love for you to start by sharing your story. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and where you got started.
1: I can do it. It's kind of weird to tell it to you because you literally know most everything I'm going to say, but maybe I'll tell you something new. Um, So I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky, and I spent my whole childhood there until I went off to college. And I kind of identified my entire life just as a performer. I did musical theater. I danced competitively. My Only goal in life was to be on Broadway from the time I was, I don't know, six or seven until I graduated high school. And I went to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee for vocal performance. And at this point in my life, I kind of realized that I didn't want to be a performer for my career. I didn't want the instability of it and the reality that if you need to perform, you should be moving to New York and going on auditions and not caring as much about school and a perfect plan and settling down and all those other things. It just doesn't really work well with the lifestyle. And so I couldn't let that dream go yet, which is why I went to college for performance. But within my first semester, I think I just remember looking around and thinking, I don't want to hustle in this way. I love performing more than anything, but I know that this is not where my calling is. And it was a really, really tough decision for me because that was the only thing that I had ever truly loved. So throughout the next couple of years, I went on a search, as most college students do, to kind of figure out, What do I want to do with my life? Where can my passions align? And how do I get fulfillment from my career? So at this point, I um, dabbled in just about anything. I switched my major to entertainment industry studies, which was, I, I still don't know what that is, to be honest, but it was some kind of fluffy degree at Belmont. And then I switched into business marketing and If you know me at all, and when you hear me talk throughout this podcast, you will grasp that I am very analytical, very driven. I've always loved school. But up until that point in my life, I really didn't want anything to do with business. Um, My dad is an entrepreneur, and he's been a very successful businessman. But I never thought his career sounded interesting. And um, because the business field that he's in doesn't interest me a ton. And so I just kind of wrote that off and never looked into it further. I think I was also frustrated by having a lot of voice teachers over the years telling me, you're too academic to go to a conservatory. And I didn't like that because performing was what I loved and I didn't want to be boxed into um, doing something specifically a little bit more academic. So at this point, I was changing my major all around. I ended with a major in business marketing and organizational leadership, but I went through some weird ups and downs in the middle. I worked at a news station. I worked for a digital marketing company. I um, had jobs for different startups. I ended up working at a startup accelerator, all these things just to kind of figure out what do I want to do. And about midway through college, I was at yet another unpaid internship because that is the thing. (laughs) And I remember saying to my mom or to a friend, I'm going to get a fun summer job too. I am going to work at Pure Bar. And Pure Bar is a franchise if you're unfamiliar with it, but one of the first studios ever was in Lexington, Kentucky, my hometown. And so when I was about 17, I went with other friends to Pure Bar classes as conditioning for dance. And I did not like exercise up until this point. I think when you dance, it's really difficult to like conventional forms of exercise because they're not cathartic. They don't have that artistic flair behind them. And so for me, exercise just was boring and painful as it is for most people. Um, and so I loved pure bar. And so this is, you know, four years later now when I'm in Nashville and I remember saying pure bar is the only thing I've ever loved as much as performing, which should have been a tipping point right there. But I decided to, um, reach out to the studio owner in Nashville and apply just for a summer job as a receptionist, or we call them bartenders, B A R R E, to be specific. <laughs> um, but I was like, "This will be fun. I'll make a little bit of money. I'll do something that I like on the side as I'm trying to figure out my real career." And so, after my first day working at the studio, I remember coming home and thinking, "I've got to own one of these. I have to own one of these." And I was 20 years old at the time. Obviously, it wasn't a thought that could materialize quickly, but I do not take no for an answer. Very very much and I've never been one to think just because I'm young or inexperienced or all these things, then that's not achievable. In my mind, it's like, let's figure out how it's achievable. So I spent the next couple of years, and that's when I really started working for more startups and things in town, um, dabbling. Yes, an entrepreneurial scene, but going back and forth between like, is this something I want to do? Is this something I can do? I um, tried to work for Pure Bar's corporate headquarters as an intern in their marketing department, and that didn't pan out because they didn't have much of a marketing department at the time, and um, tried to talk myself out of this path so many times. I remember thinking, oh, I'm making such good connections in Nashville. I have such a community here. Why would I leave this? Why would I even try to open a studio it doesn't make sense I'm not going to do it in Nashville there's already ones here and you know my husband then boyfriend um we loved Colorado we liked to ski and so we had always kind of had this pipe dream of like living in Colorado and so in my head if I ever opened a pure bar it was just gonna be in Colorado and our corporate headquarters is out here in Denver and I had the dream of working for our corporate headquarters as a master teacher trainer someday which I did do um In most of I guess like 2015 to 2017 and so that did pan out later in my life but at the time again all these weird pipe dreams nothing really concrete um except this strong sense that I felt like I was supposed to do it and towards the end of my senior year after many ups and downs and talking myself out of this career path it kept kind of falling in my lap of people saying to me um you would be great at this or you need to do this or I would invest in you. I mean, weird things that shouldn't have aligned just coming together. And I got to this point where I was like, I have to apply for this. Um, I have to – Pester Pure Bar Corporate about this. And though it is a franchise, Pure Bar does not allow just essentially random 21 year olds to open studios and markets where <laughs> they have no experience. Um, and I didn't exactly tell Pure Bar Corporate that I had no ties to Colorado Springs or had never lived here, honestly, never been here until three days before my interview, because I had been in entrepreneurship classes at Belmont for about a year or so, where we had had to craft concrete business plans. So I had all the financial planning. I had tons of interviews that I had reached out to people in Colorado Springs, from realtors to other business owners um, to just people who were residents here to get lay of the land. And so I sounded a lot more informed than I was. And um, I got told no several times, um, which kind of makes sense because, again, 21 wasn't from here, but I kept pestering them, and I think three days before I was supposed to come out to Colorado to ski for my senior year spring break, they called me and said, we want you to come interview in South Carolina next week. So we changed around our whole ski trip. We ended up going to Colorado Springs for, yes, my first time ever, meeting with a realtor, looking at spaces so I could add even more to my business plan, Um, finishing up the business plan on a Tuesday skiing on a Wednesday, flying to South Carolina, and interviewing that Friday. I mean, it was so weird. And I got approved in the same day, which also usually does not happen. They usually make you wait a little bit. So I spent my last couple months of college figuring out how do I open a real business? How do I finish all my classes? How do I move across the country? And I also got engaged at the same time, I think, three weeks before I moved. And so just weird, weird things all aligning at once. And within nine months, I was out here, um, opened my business and the ball was rolling. And so I was in this career and it was this really weird season of feeling like your dreams are coming true and materializing at age 22 and also wrestling with the dichotomy of I got everything I wanted and it feels really wrong. Um, because that was kind of the next season that my life went into. So that is very much my backstory. Um, And I'll let you take it from here, Kels, or else I could just, you know, babble along. Wow.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I think your story is so unique because A, not many people achieve their goals or their dreams by 22. Yeah. And I know more dreams have grown and evolved since then. So we'll talk about that. But I would love for you to shed light on, you know, that journey of not getting it at first and what rejection in business feels like and how to press on because I think so many of us, we're going to all face either failure or rejection at some point along the way. Um, And, you know, I think some of us are likely to quit, but if you would have quit too soon, you wouldn't be living your dream right now.
1: Oh, 100%. And, you know, I thank God on a daily basis for Colorado Springs and the wealth of lessons it has taught me about <laughs> myself and my marriage and my business. Um, so I think really a couple things were in play. You know, I was 22 years old. I had left this thriving community in Nashville. I was the president of my sorority and involved in everything and active in the community and the business scene. And I left this community that I wholeheartedly loved and moved to a place that if you've been to Colorado Springs, love it. But at the time I did not. It's a little behind the times, huge military town. So people are moving in and out all the time. Very few people kind of stop here to really invest in a city. It has trouble attracting um, millennials and a lot of go-getters because some of our business scene and our I don't know, I kind of call it the trendy scene of like boutiques, restaurants, events, all those things are really behind because people haven't been here to pour into it the way they are in Denver and in Boulder. And so moving out here was a culture shock to say the least. And it was a really weird season of life because when you're in college, everybody wants to make friends. When you're a young adult and you move to a new place, most people kind of have their niche. Um, We were having trouble finding a church at the time. We were having trouble finding just friends in general. And I was 22 opening a business, newly married, and that just doesn't align with most other 22 year olds. And so it felt really, really stressful and very, very lonely um, because while I loved the girls that worked for me and so many of them have become such good friends, you know, going on four years later at the time, I didn't want to be the type of employer who was buddy, buddy with all her employees and built a business that way. Cause I think that can be really dangerous and form clicks. Um, which isn't, what I wanted to do. So I was facing the loneliness factor on a personal side. And then on the business side of things, as I mentioned, Colorado Springs is a bit behind in the boutique fitness scene. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing that grow over the past few years. But when I moved here and opened my studio, there were really two other kind of bigger players in the boutique fitness space here. There's Core Power Yoga, which is a great yoga franchise, but it had been here for like gosh, I want to say over a decade. And so it was well ingrained in the community. Um, And then Orange Theory had just started, and they do well here. But Orange Theory is a more... I don't know, it's not a CrossFit style workout, but it's more of like a hit workout with running and rowing and the weight room. And I definitely think it aligns pretty well with the military community and the type of workouts that people were used to here. So Pure Bar is so different than that. Um, and I was facing not only the task of educating a new market and marketing a business to a place that did not know me in the least. Um, I didn't have any friends and family to invite to my grand opening. And also dealing with the fact that there's not really a, Status pressure here, as you and I have talked about it many, many times. <laughs> and what I mean by that is in a city like Nashville, where everybody's on the up and up, they're chasing their dreams, whether it's in performance or photography or business or all these other things. And everybody kind of cares about how they look, how they dress, um, being seen at all the right places. Dressed in the right way at those places to be photographed. I mean, it sounds petty, but when you're in a big city and when you're in an entertainment driven city, your appearance really matters and your brand really matters. And I moved out here and everybody just kind of looked like they had just come off a hike. You know, (laughs) I saw weird mismatched outfits that I still see. And I'm not trying to sound superficial, but it was just odd after coming from the South where people really care. And it's funny because sometimes I joke that I got exactly what I wanted because I used to be in Nashville and think, I want to build a community where everybody just loves the workout and cares about each other, and it's so idealistic and beautiful, and I got that. I really did, but... Pure Bar is the type of business where um, it really helps to be able to market it because it's a cool thing. It has that cool factor, and people can say, Ooh, I go to Pure Bar and I just want to shop at Pure Bar and wear the clothes there. And I mean, it's weird, but in Nashville, people kind of had this hero worship for their teachers and wanted to dress like them and look like them. And it sounds silly, but if you've lived in a city, it's really not. And I didn't have that marketing factor here. And so nobody was coming to me just because Pure Bar was the hot new thing. Um now a few years later I see that developing a little bit more in Colorado Springs which is honestly healthy for businesses. Like when a new restaurant opens, it should be like the place to be and that helps that restaurant take off in a non-superficial way. And that culture just didn't exist here and so the kind of plans that I'd had for how to make this business grow based on what I'd seen were not panning out. And so I was dealing with a business that was a very slow starter. I was trying to educate a new market, and I just felt alone and confused in every single way. And I never, ever thought I would be the type of person who would be sitting there and thinking, wow, I wish I just got a day job. I wish I got just got a nine to five and wouldn't a normal paycheck be nice? Because even though I understood the reality of not making money in the beginning of a business, my husband's also an entrepreneur who is moving his business across the country. Um, we were going from having easy disposable income in college to really nothing at all on the financial side of things. And all my other friends just didn't get it because they weren't in the entrepreneurial space. And so I just felt this really deep sense of, being alone and being confused because I felt like I'd been called to this dream. And then it was like, where do I go? And how do I even make this dream work? Like, God, if you want me to do this, give me some sort of you know light at the end of the tunnel and for really the first year and a half to two years out here i just didn't see it
0: so tell us about you know opening the doors of the studio you get here you move across the country to a city you really don't know other than your Not at all case study that you winged yeah. um so tell us about opening a brick and mortar business in a city that you really don't know that well and what that first year was like what were the highs what were the lows what were the lessons Oh gosh,
1: we need, we need longer than 50 minutes for this podcast. But in a nutshell, I would say, you know, I have always been a pretty good like fake it till you make it type of girl. I think that comes from performing and just the reality of no matter what you feel like, just don't let them see you sweat. And moving out here, I am a good researcher and I am diligent. And it actually took us a really long time to sign our lease. Um, And so I had a lot of time to kind of explore this city and dig in and find different communities um, of people and ways to market it and things like that, which I continued to learn. But I really feel like I spent my first six months out here doing that before we got open. And everything just sort of felt like it was culminating to like, when we get open, when we get open. And keep in mind, in the meantime, I was having to learn things like, you know, tenant improvement allowance and talking to general contractors and what kind of, you know, texture do I want on my walls and reading build out specs and how to, you know, have the right kind of contract for the laws in your state to hire people and things that realistically no degree prepares you for that. And I had some great mentors and my dad and other people who um, have been in the business world for a long time, but I definitely felt very just childish, I think is a good word for it. Trying to have all these conversations and being a woman, a woman in business is hard enough being a 22 year old in business where people would come sit down and interview with me and kind of look me up and down and be like, no way in their eyes, you know, am I working for somebody this young? And I had a few of those. Um, thankfully I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. And when someone treated me like that way, it was just like, see ya, don't need you. Um, so that wasn't too tough for me, but it was interesting and very eye opening. So I was kind of learning how to talk the talk. And then when the business was open, there was a mix of putting a lot of the leadership studies that I had done in my degree or in leadership positions like being the president of my sorority and managing people into play in the sense of like my teachers weren't very good if we're being honest they were brand new um and none of my clients knew that because they were all brand new to the workout too but the perfectionism in me and having to sit back and being like wow they just taught a terrible class and I just have to deal with it and not act like it's the end of the world and not micromanage and all those things I was learning how to put those lessons into practice and I was also dealing with just the fact of I knew the type of company culture I wanted to build and I So, I had to keep my stresses in check. You know, when sales were not being made, or when we did not have enough clients, or when I wasn't able to comfortably pay my bills in any way or pay myself a dime, you know, I didn't want to project that onto my team or my clients. And I think that overall, I did a pretty good job of that. My husband and close friends unfortunately got the brunt of that because I would come home and project on everything else. Um, So, I'd say that first year was really learning how to. Practice what I preached when it came to leadership, and also um, also learning what not being in an emotionally healthy space in business or anywhere in your life can really do to your relationships. I mean, that was not a good first year of marriage. And, you know, my husband and I have been together since I was about 14 or 15 and I'm almost 26 now. And so we'd seen each other through a lot of life's up and down, ups and downs, but I was just a different person in that season. And so I really learned how detrimental that was. Um, and to my friendships and family as well, because, I was just like, call me up, ask me how my life is going. And it was like word vomit of everything's terrible. I hate Colorado Springs. I hate doing this business. Like nothing is working. I'm trying everything. And I just got to this really negative space where I started to, by the end of it, I feel like make excuses for things of like, well it's just been this way. So it's always going to be this way. And it took some really eye-opening conversations with friends and a lot of spiritual self-work for me to see Griffin, like you are losing your mind over something that everyone does experience it. And yeah, you might be experiencing it in some unique ways because of your market and because of the business you chose, but you don't need to let that be an excuse and you don't need to let that be your focus, which was really hard for me.
0: What was the turning point?
1: I think there were a few, there wasn't one just like massive turning point. Um, I remember being on a phone call with a friend one time who kind of gave me some tough love and was like, you've got to stop focusing on this, you know? And I remember another turning point I would say was actually a different friend who moved here that I felt like was just a gift. You are too. Don't worry about this one. <laughs> wasn't you. Um, just a gift in the sense of bringing me back to perspective on like what life is really about and the fact that community and relationships have always been what really drive me no matter what my success story is. Um and so there were several things I would say over the next year or so that really helped shift my perspective, but there was not one moment. I think there would have been I think it would have been easier if there was, but it kind of felt like a lesson I just had to keep learning and still have to keep learning because when i started to feel really at peace and a lot more at home here my husband's life kind of took a turn for the worse and he started to feel like he was questioning everything and so i kind of felt like i was living through it all over again and i had to be more sure in my own footing um so i feel like it's a lesson i've continued to learn and get stronger in but never just like one thing
0: man so what would you say to someone who is starting out and struggling with their age or starting later in life and struggling with their age? Struggling with their age is a tricky one because I
1: I don't think that age has to hold you back at all, but I think that you have to realize that you don't know what you don't know. And as a young person, that's kind of easy, right? Because you're like, yeah, I really don't know this. I mean, I remember interviewing different general contractors to build out my space because you do that. And one was just throwing all this construction jargon at me. And I just remember standing in there thinking, how do I even respond? How do I sound not like an idiot in this moment? And so there were so many moments where it was like, yeah, don't be too cocky, be humble. You don't know what you don't know. Um, And so I think that Risk for somebody who's young is that they don't have the right financial plans in place um, to get started with their business and haven't thought through what it looks like to, you know, maybe leave their day job and go into this and deal with really cutting back in their finances. Um, And then also balancing the fine line of being humble, but not being so humble where people don't respect your authority and respect your leadership. And then for somebody who might be a little bit older, who has never gone into business before. I think the financial piece could still apply if you've lived very comfortably in a nine to five where you depend on somebody else for your paycheck and where everything doesn't rely on you. And when you can clock out at the end of the day, Um, having that mental shift could be really tough because you might have to sacrifice later in life when you have more of a sense of like, I deserve more comfort. And I think at that age, there might be a tendency of thinking, you know, too much, you know, like you might've been in business for a long time or waited to open your business for a long time, but no one wants to work for someone who is unwilling to learn, you know? So I think it's just about being able to gauge, okay, where does this age, you know, really set me in life and what are my boundaries and my, um, and the things that could hinder me because of that.
0: Yeah, that's good. So what would you have to say about the risk involved in being an entrepreneur? You know, I I um, joke about my own journey of anxiety being called the Kelsey Coaster. But, you know, can you kind of shed lights on the ups and downs and the risk that just is a little different than working for a day job? And for our listeners who, are e- who either have a business that's still a side hustle or... Or, you know, have really jumped in and they're, you know, neck deep in stress. For sure. I mean, I
1: would not describe myself as somebody who's very... um Like, throw yourself in the face of risk. I always kind of describe myself as being a little bit more risk averse, but then I look at my decision making and I think that that might not actually line up because I do put myself in a lot of riskier situations in life. Um, But I think I'm surrounded with a lot of people like my husband, who's just like the quintessential entrepreneur personality and would try anything and just go for it. Um, And you are more that way than me, too. So it's been a lot of learning about myself but I think that if you're struggling with the idea of risk one of the best things that you can ask yourself in pursuing a business is do I love business I talk about this in a lot of blog posts and I talked about this on an Instagram live yesterday. If someone asks me, you know, how do I open a pure bar studio or how do I open this business? Because realistically, when you're young and you open a business and you put yourself out there about it on social media, which I do a lot through my blog, then you get asked questions because it's unusual. And I get that. I would have done the same thing in asking someone that I, um, admired their path. A lot of questions, but the biggest piece of advice I can give is you better figure out if you die hard love business, not your product, not the workout in my case, but business and nothing else. Because if you do not love, you know, the ins and outs of figuring out new marketing plans and figuring out your accounting and managing people and dealing with those days when it is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, then you are you shouldn't do this because that product or that, you know, in my case, workout or um, whatever your business is that got you into it is not strong enough to sustain your love for it. And I love Pure Bar with my absolute heart and soul, but my love for Pure Bar was nowhere near enough To push me through those really low moments, you have to have a stronger sense of purpose in the actual business itself and love and thrive on those things. And I'm not saying you thrive every day. You and I both have moments where we call each other up and we're just, you know, balls of anxiety and freaking out and crying over something that went wrong. And that's fine. But you have to be able to have the stamina to pull through it because of your love for business and not because of that one thing. Because as a business owner, you're not going to be doing one thing forever, especially if you decide to pursue more than one realm of entrepreneurship. And you got to get comfortable living in a space where truly nobody else gets it except for those who are entrepreneurs. Um, Because I thought I got it before I did it. Gosh, I worked for nine different tech companies and helped them start up. I watched all their highs and lows, but until your money and your name and your livelihood is on the line, you just don't get it. And so you've got to live in this space of thinking, wow, it is all my responsibility. Um, Even if you have a great team, like ultimately it comes down to you as the owner. It never has a total turning off point. I'm a big believer in learning rest and all of those things as I think I've done over the years, but ultimately if there's an emergency at 5 a.m., it's on my shoulders and realizing that those security and stability assets that other people get so quickly by just opting into a nine to five and having health insurance provided for and all these other things that they just never have to think about. I mean... Gosh, tax season. If you work a nine to five, your taxes are coming out of your paycheck. If you're an entrepreneur, March and April are like hell month because you get to take all the taxes out yourself and pay taxes on your whole business. And so just realizing the amount of pressure and responsibility and learning how to live in a healthy place with that when it's not gonna go away. Like my business has drastically grown and improved and changed over the years, but I've also just had to learn how to carry my stress differently. And it's interesting because, um, my mom has given the analogy a lot of times in my life, um, actually in terms of loss, because her father died when she was young. And I've had friends that have lost, um, parents and loved ones. And I've heard her give the analogy to one of my friends of, you know, the baggage never leaves. Like when you lose someone, that burden never leaves, but you learn how to carry it differently and not to acquaint owning a business to somebody dying because it's not the same thing, but I do think that's how living with stress can be. You know, I am carrying the same burdens that I was in the beginning of starting this business, but I'm carrying it very differently.
0: That is good. So, you know, know for credit so- to
1: my mom, can't take it. <laughs> I,
0: I mean, but I love it. And I think it ties in with exactly what you're doing. You know, you're pursuing your master's in functional medicine and you have a decent knowledge of what cortisol does to our bodies and how this stress affects us. And so what would your advice be to business owners who are figuring out how to carry it? Because I know you've walked me through like how the heck do I do this? Because I don't want I don't want to live in a constant state of panic or stress or, you know, really soak in the good seasons and then plummet when it the second it gets hard. Like how do we do this well? Um, how do we stay healthy and carry our stress better? Yeah,
1: definitely. And this is, you know, this is hard for everybody, but I think depending on your personality, it can have different um different struggles. So, you know, for me and for you, we are doers. We like to do, we like to find our identity in what we do and our purpose in what we do. And so when you make your business, your life, and then your business is not going well, that makes every area of your life not go well. And, um, so for me, it was about learning the lesson of, okay, I value my life more than my business. God has me on this earth to do more than just my business. And if I let my life, um, plummet because my business is controlling my emotions, I'm no good for anything. And it was the rationality in me stepping back and thinking, I have to change certain things. And you know, thankfully, I am super passionate about food and healthy living. And obviously my job is in working out pretty much. And so I do not struggle with Eating poorly or not working out. Um, I actually don't even struggle with sleep that much either because I've always been pretty regimented in that. For me, it was more of the mental stress of never turning off, working from six a.m. to the moment that I go to bed, being on all the time, feeling guilty for taking breaks. Um, that's where I've more of my that's where more of my stressors lie. But I know for a lot of people, it's more of the neglecting those actual actions of like eating well, exercising, closing your computer to go to bed at a decent time every night. Those are the more common things that you hear. And I think that for me, some of my natural passions have helped um, mitigate some of the stressors because I do have those healthier rhythms in my life and I've seen the value of them because I could not exist well without them. And um, then learning, okay, if I'm starting work at 6 a.m. and I want to turn off at 4 p.m. so I can cook dinner and enjoy time with friends and all those things – I'm going to do it. And it's just having the self-control to say, I'm going to do this. And God says he will provide. And if he's called me to do this, I've got to trust him that he's going to provide, even if I'm not working every hour of the day. Um, Because realistically, most entrepreneurs probably don't struggle with working too little. (laughs) I've never met one that does. And so most of us work too much. And, you know, for those of us that also do have a relationship with God, there's this kind of, you know chasm that we have to reconcile of how can i say that i really am trusting god when i think that i have to work every second of every hour because that's not the full life that he's called me to so for me it was about you know taking times to turn off and not feel guilty about it and then those rhythms that i am pretty good at i do want to help other people figure those out and that's um it's a big part why I'm getting my masters in functional medicine and nutrition because I want to be able to educate people, especially business owners, of why exercising and eating well and taking care of your body is one of the best things that you can do for your business, not just scientifically because there's so much connection between, you know, your gut and your brain and the way that you function and think clearly and are able to have energy, but there's also just so much in the, you know, the way you steward your body and the life that you've been given.
0: Yeah, so tell us about, you know, what you've got going on outside of Pure Bar and outside of running your, you know, brick and mortar. You are pursuing your degree in functional med- medicine, your master's degree, and you have this online space where you write and share about, you know, health and business and marriage. Tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, um, I started my blog when I was in college because a friend told me that I... Should because I think she had one and she was just like, You would love it. And I've always loved to write. And if you couldn't tell by now, you know, obviously I love to talk. And so um, I'm very much an external processor. And I sort of just started a blog when I was about 19 because I just wanted to you know, share my 19-year-old wisdom with the world. I am a very like let's fix it personality. I'm a one on the Enneagram, which you know, I'm sure we'll bring up at some point. And I like to fix all the things and help with all the things. And that was sort of my way to process the lessons that I was learning and also, you know, project my ideas onto the world. (laughs) And so it evolved over the years and definitely when I was more involved in the entrepreneurial scene my junior and senior year in Nashville, working for different companies in the community and battling whether or not I was going to do my own endeavor. Um, I started to share a lot more about that and my business is in the health and wellness space. So that was always kind of like a natural tie in, but really it was about a year ago after I'd known you for a year and listened to all of your blogging and social media things all the time, um, that I really decided like, okay, I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously. I'm going to use Kelsey's tools and curate my feed and work with the photographer and get the pieces in place to establish a brand rather than just an online space. Cause you say it all the time, you know, if you've got great content, but no one is seeing it, what's the point? And, um, and I agree, like not, To make it sound insensitive, but what's the point? No one is reading your thoughts. So I decided to take that a little bit more seriously because realistically, I'm not going to do pure bar forever. Um, that sounds really sad to me still at this point in my life, but I know that to be a truth. And so I have other passions and nutrition and functional medicine is one of them. And if you don't really know what functional medicine is, it's basically, um, looking at the body as a whole and healing the body through food and supplementation and it focuses a lot more on the side of preventative medicine, medicine versus reactive medicine of just throwing pills and prescriptions and antibiotics and all the things, um, at everything. And I think there's a huge place for Western medicine. Functional medicine cannot replace surgery or some of the treatments that we have, but I do think that it is, um, one of the most valuable things, out there in terms of taking care of our bodies, and so I wanted to really create a place where I could brand myself, which has been a very interesting thing because um, I'm actually working on a blog post about this now, and you and I have talked about it. Most bloggers start in a niche of fashion or food or fitness or, you know, travel, one specific thing, and then they sort of branch out, and for me, it's been this journey of figuring out, okay, I don't have an exact niche because I do write about business and entrepreneurship and food and healthy living and relationships and how they all tie together. But I still need kind of a jumping off point. And for me, that was really pure bar At the time, I was still working for a corporate headquarters. I had a lot of clout amongst other Pure Bar teachers and owners for not only being an owner, but being at a very high level for um, the teaching space in Pure Bar. And so I sort of used that as my jumping off point by writing a lot of different blogs that um, captured that audience and then expanding from there and letting people get to know me that way. So it's something that I'm not monetizing from a standpoint of it being like my my full-time gig but I also want to create an audience so that when I do have my degree in nutrition and functional medicine and I want to consult clients or maybe write a book or you know have different e-courses or things in that space that I have a place to do it. So a lot of it right now is really future planning.
0: Yeah, and I love that. Can you kind of give us a quick some quick pointers on playing the long game because you have a career. You've got things going with Pure Bar and you do enjoy utilizing this online space. You've built up quite a following of over 20,000 followers who read your blog each week and um, you've got a good thing going, but you're not in a rush to make it something. It's for later and it is for right now, but to turn it into a full blown business. You know, tell us about playing the long game, especially in the online space um, and how that served you well.
1: Definitely. Well, I have to preface too that the only reason I have that following is because of you and you teaching me all the things. So if you haven't taken Breakout, you probably should because it'll answer all your questions. Well, we'll be putting
0: Um, Griffin's affiliate link up then. Quick plug. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But in reality, I think that I can be an impatient person because I like to create change and do it quickly, but I also am not an instant gratification person, which may sound like two different things, but let me explain in the sense of like, I fully understand that good things take hard work and they're not a usually a one and done type mindset. Um, your health and fitness is not that way. You cannot eat a smoothie today and be healthier. Um, <laughs> I mean, was it a good choice? Yes. Will it cure, you know, all the fast food you've been eating for the last three weeks? It will not. (laughs) And so, you know, I think that health and fitness establishes such a sense of discipline. But really, for me, that was rooted in performing. I mean, I spent 18 years of my life, essentially, prepping for one career. So why on earth would I think that in, you know, putting up a blog link or opening a brick and mortar business or, you know, whatever, it's going to materialize for me in a short time frame. And obviously just earlier in this podcast, I referenced times where I have let that impatience get the best of me and treated it the wrong way by expecting results right now. But I think that I have so many measures in my life that show me, no, if you want your body to change, if you want your health to change, if you want your relationships to change, you know, any area of life, you got to put in the work and it's going to take some time. And there's usually not a point where it all ends. You know, that's where like the diet mentality goes wrong of people reach this goal weight. And then it's like, what do I do now? And that's not sustainable. And so I think I look at my blog and building my brand in that way. Um, Growing up as a performer, you realize that your image and who you are as a person is your brand. It is a selling point. And I think if you don't grow up in performing, that might sound a little bit weird or only reserved for like a certain class of people who do want to be performers. But in reality, you know, I was trained with the mindset of you step into a room for an audition, you are being judged and evaluated long before you ever open your mouth. And you, you know, walk the streets in Nashville or New York or LA when you want to be a performer and you better dress the part because if you're caught going to the grocery store in your sweatpants, um, that's not acceptable. And so I think I have this sense of I'm a person, I have this career, but I need my career to partially be me and me as a person. And so I look at my blog that way of I'm building an audience of who I am as a person and my passions and trying to suck people in in the same way that other influencers on social media get me engaged and why I don't even know their life, you know, but I started looking at okay, why do I follow these people? And it's typically because you know, they have a mission, they have a platform that's clearly defined of something that they're really passionate about. But they also let me know just enough about their personal lives where I feel attached to them. Um, It's not an overshare, but it's honesty, it's vulnerability. You know, I can tell you that I'm going through a tough season in business or in my marriage or with a friend without giving you every single nitty gritty detail, but also being honest and being able to share the lesson. And I think that's so valuable because social media should not be a highlight reel. Yes, it should be pretty. It should be attractive, just like you always dress for the part that you want but it needs to have an element of honesty so that people get attached to you and some people I think are really uncomfortable with that but I guess I'm just a little bit too like attention prone from being a performer where I get it it's just like yeah this is how you brand yourself and it's gonna it's gonna serve you for the long haul because no matter how my passions change I need to create a platform where people are invested in me and that gives me the freedom to pivot
0: yeah I love it. So what would be some tips for someone starting both a brick and mortar or an online, both and, either or, whatever, Um, um, a brick and mortar or an online business? What would be some top tips for success that you kind of would love to give?
1: Brick and mortar. I think the biggest thing is that you need a game plan on the financial side of it. Um, yes, I had never had a brick and mortar, but I had three years of complex financial projections that I had, you know, worked on for a year before I did this. Were all of them accurate? Heck, no. But um, but I understood the financial investment, and you also need to understand like where is your money coming from? You know, it. There's really only so many options. You either have it yourself, which most young people do not. You get investment from a friend or family member where maybe you negotiate your own loan terms. You um, get a private investor, which will probably leave you with very little equity, or you go for a small business loan and you know you may or may not have the right credit and um, qualifications lined up for that. So you need to have a really solid plan of where is your money coming from? Is there a payback period or, you know, debt that I need to adhere to? And is that sustainable for my life and my family's life? Because I think that the people that don't have that in place, unfortunately, feel like they are drowning early on if the money is not coming in the way they project. Um, So brick and mortar, you need to understand your business and you need to understand your numbers. I think that for the online space, you still need to understand your numbers. But the beautiful thing about the online space is you can start... A blog or a website with literally no investment. I have probably spent, I don't even know if I could quantify it. I don't, I barely spend money on my blog, if at all. I mean, I pay like $16 or maybe it's $26 now on Squarespace for a hosting platform. I've never hired a designer. I trade my photographer for a pure bar membership because I have something to leverage. I um, have traded you for different things and I have utilize that, you know, that leverage in any way that I can and bootstrapped it. Like I don't need to be spending money on a blog right now. That's not my main career. So can I learn a little bit of coding? Can I learn a little bit of, you know, WordPress and Squarespace and these different things to figure out how to do this better Um, and use the free resources that are out there. So I think that's the greatest part about an online space. I think the downfall in an online space is when people just have no vision. Um, I, This might sound a little bit harsh, but I literally hate reading blogs so much that are just diaries, like journal (laughs) entries. If you just are telling me like what you're doing throughout the day and what you're eating and what your plans are for the weekend and all these things – I don't care. And even on your Instagram, like, I don't care that much because it still has to have something that invites the audience in. Whether it's telling those same facts, but then a lesson that you learn from it, or asking a question to your audience, there are so many better ways to still be honest, but make it applicable to somebody else. If I can't walk away from your content with a takeaway, I'm bored and weirded <laughs> and and usually just really weirded out that you would put that on the internet. You know, like I remember reading a blog years ago. Um, well, this wouldn't be an isolated incident. I read lots of blogs, you know, in college of someone like breaking up with a boyfriend or, you know, not getting a job they wanted or whatever, like a sob story a little bit, but there was no takeaway. It was just like how sad you were or how, maybe how happy you were that you got a job, you know, whatever. And it's like, I don't care. That's what you call your best friend and tell them about. That's not what you put in the online space under your brand, you know? And so just having a vision of like, where is this going to take me? Like, sure. I love Instagram stories because you can share some more of that like kitschy, pointless information and let people get to know you, but it's only there for 24 hours you are never going to catch me writing a blog post that doesn't have a point. And now if you go back to the, you know, recesses of my blog 7 years ago, I don't know what 19-year-old Griffin was thinking in that space, but I've always had more of a vision of trying to make content applicable to other people. And so if you're starting an online business, don't just put up a blog and say, "I've blog, come read it" cuz we're too we're in 2018. Like we're too far out. Um for that to be interesting, put up a blog with a purpose, you know, and and use those free resources.
0: Did that answer your question? I that was great. Tangent. I thought those were fantastic pointers. Um Thanks. I agree with all of them and I laughed through a lot of them because they're so true. And so I think, you know, Griffin has so much wisdom to offer in this business space. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah,
1: I am on Instagram as Griffin McKenzie. McKinsey's M-C-K, not M-A-C-K. And Griffin is G-R-I-F-F-I-N because everyone spells my name wrong. So Griffin McKenzie. Um, I think I am Griffin McKenzie on most platforms. My Facebook is Griffin McKenzie blog. Um, and my website is griffinmckenzie.com. So I think that kind of has you covered. Um, and then if you live in Colorado Springs and you're interested in purebar you just go to purebar.com p-u-r-e-b-a-r-r-e.com and find the colorado springs location and you can find us that way so my main two places
0: Woo! thanks for joining me today for those of you listening you will see griffin popping up all over my feed because we're always together so (laughs) <laughs> and our dogs um thanks for joining me and you'll have thanks to come back hey don't go yet i would love it if you go over to itunes right now and leave a review i love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the radiant podcast name out there and while you're at it why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on facebook or instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.